Weekend mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen. Replay from Money FM 89.3. Saturday morning, it's Timothy Go sitting in for Glenn Van Zutphen on Money Weekends this Saturday. And today we're talking about marketing. It has come a very long way. And it is still moving forward to directions that even I don't really understand anymore. You think you get it one day, the next day, the direction changes. The world is changing fast, so are marketing techniques. But are brands there doing the right thing? Have they caught up with the times? Are they doing things wrong? Um, Well, we're going to find out if brands have caught up with the times. And this morning, we're talking to Miguel Bernas, founder of Timberwolf Media and CMO at Large at Black Marketing. Good morning to you, Miguel. Hey, Tim. It's been a while. Wow. Tim, I was just thinking about it this morning, and I know nobody likes to be reminded of how old they are, but the last time you and I were on a live show together was about 19, 17 years 19, ago. 2002? Well, there you go. That's how far we've known each other. Yes, uh, yes. Of course, and uh, your wife, which who wasn't your wife back then, right? No. 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 <laughs> um, and you know what? Uh, that not to clue in it, it, it to anybody as, as to how old Timothy Go is, but um, I remember you know Tim started his career when he was twelve years old. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was sixty kgs. I'm now eighty. Go. <laughs> You are looking good, so that's uh, a good thing, Um, Miguel. All right, Um, advertising campaigns. Now, you are saying that uh, something's wrong with uh, advertising campaigns today, and they might not be working the way they should be. Yeah, I wrote something recently, and I actually did a a video on it, which I shared on, um, on LinkedIn, entitled, Why Brands Should Create Content, Not Campaigns. First of all, let's 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 just clarify what is a content and what is a campaign, just for the sake of our listeners. Okay, so um, uh, campaigns to answer the, to answer what a the what a traditional advertising campaign is is you got to go a little bit back to history, right? And a, a lot of think about it this way, right? If you're um, if you were trying to consume media. And if you've been trying to consume media pretty much for the last hundred years, you've got the consumer trying to get his hands on content, whether that's a news story, magazine article, favorite song on the radio, TV show on television, etc. And the role of the advertiser has been to interrupt that process, mm-hmm. right? So on the consumer's way to get there, they kind of stand in the middle and say, well, before you go and consume that – We've got this message for you and, you know, this thing is now on sale and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So you have had this relationship where the role of the advertiser has been for the most part – to be the intrusion, to be right. the interruption. Or to remi- remind people about what's, what's out there. Yeah, well, bottom line is it's not really the thing that the consumer was there to consume. They're just sort of accidentally sticking their, you know, sticking, uh, sticking themselves in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the reason why I, I talk about how co- content is, a, is an approach that is much more appropriate for today's world um, is because – Thanks to digital media. I mean, that relationship, by the way, between the consumer and content and the advertising industry uh, was one that was perfectly acceptable mm-hmm. for, you know, for decades, right? I mean, to the consumer, it's like, okay, I get interrupted every now and then. That's a reasonable road tax for getting... And really, there are some people who'd like to be interrupted. 
Well, well, I mean, I would raise my hands. And for a long time, it was, you know, it was perfectly acceptable. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what I think happened is that digital media came and ruined everything, right? And mm-hmm. when I say the reason why it ruined everything is because it provided uh, it, it provided us an era today of unprecedented choice right. for the consumer. Like all of a sudden, the consumer is in complete control. Anything he wants, wherever he wants, on whatever device he wants, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The whole idea of like, no, no, you can only watch that show if you're sitting in front of your TV on Friday at this time. You know, that, that's an alien concept yeah, for a lot of people. very last century. Today. Yes, right? So this is the thing, right? Is in, in an environment like that, it's very it, – it, uh, interruption is something that's – that is too too bitter a pill to swallow for a lot of consumers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's a here's here's proof, right? One is that you have a, such a thing called ad blockers, which is becoming more and more common. Depending on what country you're talking about, it that the ad blocking is growing from anywhere between twenty to thirty percent year on year. Um, but the other thing that's happening, of course, is that you now have consumers used to having uninterrupted entertainment, right? Which they're even willing to pay for, right? And and just you know, among you guys who are who are listening to this, just ask yourselves if you had if you're paying for a Netflix subscription or a Spotify subscription, would you still be willing to pay if in the middle of your Netflix show they started sticking ads in the middle of it? No, you wouldn't, right? Well, if you're paying, yeah, I guess you're paying for the privilege of having as as Spotify would always uh, interrupt my listening pleasure with uninterrupted music. <laughs> I, mean, so, I like know, being interrupted, so I don't mind. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just one of those things that I think um, is becoming a new behavior. Um, I uh, Just kind of a little bit of an anecdotal thing. Um, when I was working for, you know, that company we won't name because we both used to work <laughs> okay. there. Um, you know, we, there, was a, there was an annual live television show, which was probably one of the biggest watched shows, you know, big event of the year. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is that my team was responsible for monitoring social media, right? And there was this thing where every year this would roll around and there would be more and more complaints about the number, the amount of advertising, and so we were actually wondering, are, do we in fact have more advertising than previous years? Mm-hmm. And realized that actually our, my theory was that it wasn't that because we were actually airing more ads. It was because there were people who were probably – that was the only time they were actually watching real normal live television. And this thing of like, what is this strange thing that keeps interrupting what I'm watching, <laughs> you know? And so they're so it's they're they're complaining about it, and there there is a you know we have to realize that there's a generation of people that have just have this is not part of their experience. This is not this this sort of constant interruption and getting in the way of the content they actually want uh, is not part of their experience. It's not part of their expectation. All right. Having said that, then what are the changes uh, that you are proposing? Because you're saying that brands should be creating. Content. So when you say content, what exactly should they be creating? Then? Yeah, so, so the challenge is I think that instead of brands playing the role of interrupter, brands actually have an opportunity today to create content that people actually want, right? It's actually stuff that's valuable. It's actually stuff that people um, would be willing to subscribe to and, you know, and actually seek out and not just – 
seek out and subscribe to, but actually listening to willingly, watch willingly, so, and be willing to share. From listening to you saying that, I'm thinking, so brands have to start creating TV shows and radio programs or, or online content that will engage people? Absolutely. Without really pushing what you're selling, but... Yeah. But... Yes. Having your product be part of the story. Yeah. So let me let me let me um, let me give you a couple of illustrations. And I love talking about SMEs, right? Because you know, first of all, SMEs make up the bulk of the companies in Singapore. Most people don't realize it because, of course, the big companies are the ones that people tend to remember. But the majority, ninety plus percent of all the companies in Singapore, are actually small companies. Mm-hmm. And this, this particular type of approach for content marketing, I believe, is, is very, very relevant, especially to, um, to SMEs. And um, whenever I think of the, some of the best content marketing practices, I inevitably think of small companies who are doing really interesting things on platforms like YouTube, for example. Okay. So let me give you an example. My favorite, my, 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 my favorite example, which I love to talk about, is, so you know, one of my hobbies is, is I, I, li- I like watches, right? I like collecting watches. And so there is a uh, watch uh, retailer, online retailer, based out of the East Coast in the United States. Um, and he sells, you know, sort of mid-range uh, watches. He has a YouTube channel. He does uh, a YouTube video a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and he talks about watches. He doesn't – it's not hard sales. He doesn't talk about – he doesn't push stuff. He doesn't talk about promotions. He doesn't even – rarely ever talks about pricing. But he talks about things like, you know, what is a what is the difference between mineral crystal and um, and sapphire crystal and you know, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, it's just nerdy stuff for people <laughs> who are really interested in watches. We're basically like watch nerds like myself. Okay. And as far as I can tell, this is his only marketing. His entire marketing consists of his YouTube channel and an email newsletter, and he shoots the videos in his office, right? Um, and so it's all, it's it's really really inexpensive. Amateur? Well, not amateur. It's actually very well done. Okay. And it's well done because he knows his stuff, right? I mean, okay. he really knows what he's talking about, and they get really very detailed into in, into um, into their hobby. Um, the guy has a hundred thousand subscribers, twenty two million video views. Wow. Production budget zero. <laughs> wow. Um, and this is his business. He probably runs like a multi-million dollar watch business mm-hmm. just because of just because he has this captive audience that he's really kind of that have he's really kind of tuned in to this relatively small community of watch enthusiasts that really love this particular brand of content. And there are so many, you know, there's there, there's all kinds of different scales. I've given like the SME example. There are. You know, big, huge examples of, of from big corporates that that kind of do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And if you look, at, if you think about a company like, say, Salesforce, right? So Salesforce uh, has an annual event called Dreamforce. Okay. And essentially, I pe- think I've attended one before in yeah, San Francisco. I'm sure you have. Yeah. yeah. And they're massive, right? right. Um, and people show up because of the content at these events. Mm-hmm. They have industry experts talking about the industry and talking about Salesforce, right? Uh, last year, 175,000 people showed up. To even attend Salesforce, you have to pay. It's about two grand a head, I think, oh, to wow. attend. Okay. So imagine 170,000 people paying two grand a head, plus hotels, plus flying there, et cetera, et cetera, to be able to attend an event branded Salesforce to listen to people talk about Salesforce. Mm-hmm. And people pay for that. Right. 
And the reason for that is because they see there's enough value in the, in the content that they get and there's a following around it and they make it a point that every year I got to attend this, this event, right? Um, and, you know, so it's just, you know, I, I guess at the end of the day, the, the best kind of summary of what marketing, content-led marketing or content marketing is, is that a brand is able to build an audience around itself based on valuable content that they create. Um, this then develops a relationship of trust and familiarity with the brand. Um, but what it also does, because you've built an audience around your brand, it creates all kinds of monetization opportunities, all kinds of business opportunities uh, that may or may not come directly from, you know, from proactively or doing any kind of hard sell with this audience. Mm -hmm. But because you've already got a relationship and they're already interacting with you on a regular basis, um, you know, you're, you're kind of like, it's kind of like half the battle, right? right. They're already familiar with you. There's a relationship, et cetera. And they know what to expect, sort of. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, whether it's a big brand or a small company or even a personal brand, um, you know, there's a, th this kind of approach it, it tends to make a lot of sense, right? We're get, we'll get into that personal branding uh, a little bit later on. I'm speaking to Miguel Bernas from Timberwolf Media and CMO at Large at Black Marketing. We are talking about marketing campaigns or m content marketing, I should say, yeah. uh, for brands. And that's what he's uh, trying to encourage us to do. More to come with Miguel right here on Money Weekends. We're on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download Download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.